serve in the community of uh, Ridge, North Miami. And uh, I think of uh, the address is uh, just in Israel, 1948, and uh, 123rd Street. And um, Rabbi Rubenstein, who I believe is, is the coordinator of this, uh, he asked me if I would speak here, and uh, she is not someone I say no to. So I told him if you can just let me bring my class here, and so we ended up here. The topic is a very difficult topic. I would share with you that prayer is probably the most difficult topic to talk about, most difficult topic to understand, because the study of Torah is pretty simple. You give a good shiur on the page right before Hodu, which is Rabbi Shmuel Omer, the great Rabbi Shmuel said that there are 13 attributes, 13 ways in which you learn the Torah. And there you gave your whole shiur on learning Torah. Learning Torah is very simple. Learning Torah is God spoke, we listen, and because God does not talk longhand, he talks shorthand. So if you have to understand the methodology of how he speaks, because if not, Talmud's a big problem. Talmud has whole huge pages on a word that's extra. Well, how do you know what's extra? Well, it's very simple, because if I can extrapolate it from verse A, then I don't have to write it in verse B. And if I can extrapolate from verse A and B, C, then you don't need to have verse C. But how do I know what God expects me to be able to extrapolate? That's why we have to have the rules, the methodology of study. Once God tells you the rules of how he wrote the book, you now know what he expects you to know without saying it, and what he doesn't expect you to know without saying it. And then if you come across something that you could figure out without him saying it, and he said it, aha, uh -huh, now you can have about two, three, four, five, six pages of Gemara to learn out. What do you learn out from this? It can't really mean what it says, because that would be extra. So a shiur on learning Torah is much easier to handle than a shiur on prayer. To understand that God talks to mankind, and God tells us how to study his book, that's easy, relatively speaking. Prayer is a problem. Prayer is a real problem. Because prayer is all about Yehiratzon. What do the words Yehiratzon mean? Yehiratzon means may it arouse in his will. So God forbid, God willed it that Chaim Yanko should be sick. And now we're all going to get into shul and we're going to pray. And what are we going to pray? Hashem, please change your mind. He who will, I mean, why is Chaim Yankel sick? Chaim Yankel is sick not because he got food poisoning in the restaurant. Chaim Yankel is sick because God willed him to be sick. And the restaurant was just the waiter. So God willed Chaim Yankel to be sick. And now we're all going to... Oh, thank you guys. We just started, so don't worry. So now we have to understand. God willed Chaim Yankel to be sick. And we are going to get together in shul. We're going to say to Hillim, God, please change your mind. Very, very difficult thing to understand. I mean, let's try that. Let's all say to Hillim, God, because we live next to the water and my apartment faces the west, please, Hashem, may the sun come up from the west and go down in the east. That's, that's basically what we're doing. God set up a system. God had a will. God willed that Chaim Yanko should be sick. We're asking him to change his mind. Okay. Due to real estate value, I need Hashem to change a couple of other things that he did. It's not easy. Now there's another problem. Any of you guys read the Kirshner's book, Harold Kirshner's book? 
Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? You're making a nod with your head, my friend, in the back. You looked at it briefly. Okay. Someone set me up. Someone set me up because he didn't tell me that he's a personal friend of Harold Kushner. And he started asking me, what do you think about this book? And unfortunately, I told him what I think. And then he told me, oh really? You know, he's my friend. I said, gee, thanks. And then he told me that he asked Harold Kushner the exact same question I asked him. And Harold Kushner told him, if you people know, I don't know if you know, that the reason Harold Kushner wrote this book is because he had a child with a terrible sickness. The body ages way too quickly. At the age of eight, the body's already aged to 60. And the baby, I mean, lost the child. And he told him, listen, this is what I had to believe in order to be able to go on. I'm not going to judge him, but that's not a reason to write a book and teach people something that you're not... If you create your own answers for you to be able to go on, don't make a book out of it. But I'm not here to judge him. He should live and be well and continue doing his great work. But Harold Kushner presents a big problem there. God does not do evil things. People do evil things. I wrote an email on that once. That's a problem. So let's talk about the people in Darfur. Right? Massacres. People are being killed, tortured. But God doesn't do that. Who does that? The evil people are doing it. So should they pray to God? And what are they praying to God? They're praying to God that there should be no more holocausts. There should be no more persecution. Well, according to Harold Kushner, God's going to tell them, what do you want from me? I don't make holocausts. I don't make persecution. People do. So the whole concept of prayer is to believe. What I'm going to say now is, <laughs> this tape's all over the place. I love this. But what I'm going to say now is problematic. Because I'm going to tell you that if you don't believe that God makes wars and God makes people sick and God has children being born with AIDS, then don't waste your time praying to Him. Because if God's not in charge, then He's not in charge. So, like every good person knows, when they walk into the supermarket huffing and puffing, can I speak to the guy in charge here? You do not want to speak to the salesman tags. Who's going to tell you in two seconds, well, you know, I've got to speak to my manager. Don't waste my time. Let me speak to the one who makes decisions around here, right? You guys all did your homework. You did your studies of uh, how to uh, do business, right? The main thing you want to do when you try to set up an appointment is speak to the person who makes decisions. Don't waste your time speaking to people who don't make decisions. Prayer is a big problem. Prayer is a very big problem. Prayer demands that you believe that everything that happens to every single human being is the work of God. People are just messengers. And if A got killed by Z, this is, uh, I'm getting myself into trouble here because this is a big topic. I think this is a total different lecture. But you understand that if A gets killed by Z, Z did not murder A. Because no human can end another human's life. That's God. To the point where if A wasn't killed by Z, he would have been killed by Y, W, X, and go through the alphabet. So everything is just messengers. 
So really, I'm not praying to God that Obama should have some common sense, because Obama is not in charge of anything, at least from a Jewish perspective. What will happen to me in my economic situation does not lay at the mercy of politics. Whether I will lose my home, God forbid, or not, is God's decision, not Congress's. And therefore, I pray to that God who's in charge of everything, asking God, you who decides, look at the words you say at the ark, Nisan HaTokev, we open up the ark. You God who decides, mi mi yamut, who will live and who will die. Ask any lady who works in MAD, and they will tell you that my child was killed by an irresponsible drunk driver. But that's not what you said on the Sanatokif. You didn't tell God, please, if there's going to be a drunk driver, keep him away from my child. What you actually said to God is, He who decides, mi yichyo mi yomus, who will live and who will die. And not only he decides who will live and who will die, but he will decide if someone is going to die. Will he die through, to, to, to die through drowning? Will he die through getting burned? Will he die through an accident? So the first premise of the entire concept of prayer is to believe that the only one who has a decision over any aspect of my life, be it pleasurable or be it painful, is God. If not, you should not be praying to God. If you believe the economy is being run by the Congress, this high holidays, you should be in Congress praying. Not in Shu. But if you do accept that God, and only God, is the one who will decide what the economy will be, then you pray to God. But you realize I'm setting you up. Because if you do believe it's God that did this, so what are you asking God to change his mind? What, what does that mean? And that's why prayer is a very, very difficult topic. I will tell you why prayer is so difficult. Because God created the world in a very, very interesting way. Somehow, God created the world that you are arrogantly right and I am arrogantly right. You know why? Because you think you're the center of the universe. I think I'm the center of the universe. And God created the world in such a way that we're each right. God created the world in a way where I, I and I alone, control God's will. That pretty much means that I'm the pilot of this flight. But that's a problem, because right next to me, you're praying. You know, there's a person by the name of Yudel Keller. He's, uh, he's in heaven now. And uh, one of the jobs he did was Hevra Kadisha. You know, guys, you guys know what Hevra Kadisha is? Hevra Kadisha, the special people who actually take care of honoring the bodies in a proper Jewish way as they're being prepared for burial. And the Rebbe one year before High Holidays told Rabbi Keller that you should not be praying for Panasa. But there's a problem. 
Because you know the law, the law in physics. There is no new energy created. Energy is just changing. What that means to us right now is that if I have, it came from somewhere. It may just be it came from your pocket. So there's a problem in prayer. Because each and every one of us is the center of the universe. Think. Think for a second. We all come to shul and we pray as if it's some spiritual thing. Let's get serious here. When I pray to God, I am actually saying, God, don't listen to nobody. Me. Let me tell you what I want you to do. This is so serious that when it comes to praying for rain, we postpone our prayer. Because the people who are traveling back from the temple shouldn't get wet. Be careful when you pray. Because you're not praying that, God, I want one cloud on top of my farm. No. You're praying for rain. Be careful. It's for everyone. Remember, your pleasures is someone else's sodas. So look what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here that in a moment of prayer, you are the pilot, you are the center of all creation. And you're asking God, who willed this and that, to change his mind, to will it differently. That's what we're going to do when we go into prayer. God, I don't know what your will is, I don't know what you're doing with the economy, I don't know this, I don't know that, but let me tell you what I want you to do. I also want to share with you, it is absolutely unintelligent, another way of saying stupid, to think that mitzvah is a prayer. We have to pray, it's a mitzvah. Do I really believe that God's listening to me? What, are you kidding me? Do I really think that God's going to change anything because I asked Him to? No. But I have to pray. That's not prayer. If you don't believe in the power of prayer, don't pray. Because what are you telling Hashem? Hashem, I know you're not listening to me. And I know you really don't care about me. And I know that you're not going to change anything from me. Now that we know that, Hashem, please. What are you doing? Prayer is one of those situations which it's not just an absolute truth. Because in your own life, it's a subjective truth. Because if you don't believe it, then you're not praying. Let me say that again. I did not say that if you don't believe it, your prayer doesn't work. Let's not fool ourselves. What I'm saying is, if you don't believe it, it's not a prayer. Prayer is a communication. Prayer means I believe I'm talking to God. I believe God's listening. And I believe my prayer has powers. If not, stop doing God a favor. Just stop doing Him a favor. 
I'm going to do God a favor. I'm going to go to shul. I'm going to pray. Not he listens, but that's not my business. He listens. He doesn't listen. That's his choice. Me. I have to talk. Parenthetically speaking, out in the crowd are parents, out in the, pro- out in the crowd are people who are in relationships. If you're in any relationship, you know that any time in the Torah it's a mitzvah to speak, the real mitzvah is for the other person to hear. And if you spoke and the other person didn't hear, don't write home a letter, I did mine, I said it. There's never a mitzvah to talk. In the mitzvah of teaching, the mitzvah is the other person should learn. In the midst of rebuking, the midst is the other person should hear. And that's why Halacha says that if you know that the other person will not take this from you, it just won't go right, don't say it. Send someone else to say it. Now let's talk about the power of prayer. If you don't believe Hashem's listening, don't say it. So I just wanted to start by telling you what prayer is. And don't shortchange prayer because you feel too small to believe that you're so big. You can't accept that you are really a piece of God. You are a creator. You are infinite. You are omnipotent. So you're going to downplay prayer. Uh, prayer, you hear that song. You know, you just you pray. Let's acknowledge what prayer really is. Prayer means that you really believe that you are the center of the universe, you're the center of God's care, God's listening to you, you're talking to God, and you can convince God to change His mind. Yehi ratzon milfanecha. To quote one of the great sages, may he who said, may he who decreed oil should burn, may he decree that vinegar should burn. That's what you're telling God. You who decreed Chaim Yanko should be sick, you hear that song that you should now decree that he should have it for Shalema. You who decreed that Baruch Yanko is right now fighting with the bank, fighting for his house, may you decree that Baruch Yanko should be able to pay his mortgage and the bank should lower 10 cents to the dollar and it should be okay. I'm going to say this one last time. And if you don't believe that, you're not praying. God remembers what King David said, and he doesn't need you to remind him. So don't tell him what King David said. Tell him what you're saying. To quote a famous rabbi, stop praying to God, talk to God. Now let me introduce to you a whole different issue. Okay? I just wanted to make the introduction here. But these introductions uh, are doing good. Well, let's go further. I wanted to share with you a Zohar. Zohar is, this Zohar is mind-boggling. He who on the high holidays comes to pray and asks God, please give me health, please give me life, please send my shidduch to me, please give me children, please give me a million, two or three dollars in the bank, that would be a nice start. The Zohar says, he's like a kelev shenoveach hav hav. He's like a dog who only barks, give, give. A statement. <laughs> so now you have to go home and rip up that whole Hanukkah list you made that you're going to bring to prayers, right? He 
who comes to shul on the high holidays and asks God, please, give me life, give me health, make my wife happy, make her healthy, make my children healthy, help me with paying the bills. Sounds very nice, no? The, dog, the Zohar calls that nice guy a dog. Like a kelev shenoveach hav hav. Then what is prayer? What is prayer? If prayer isn't praying to God, I want to stop here and introduce one more point. I gave a uh, series of lectures in Weston when my cousin started there about prayer. It was a three-part series. The first one was called Prayer, It's All About Talking. The second one was called Prayer, It's All About Listening. And the third one was called Prayer, It's a Two-Way Communication. At one point, one of the women sitting there, very special lady, she asked me, Rabbi, yeah, actually let me say that again. She didn't ask me. Those of you men in the crowd that are mar married know women never ask. They have a very interesting way of saying. So they actually, she told me, Rabbi, I never pray for myself and my needs. Who am I to bother God? I always pray for other people. So, I told her as follows. You probably think that sounds pretty noble. Who am I? God. He's got big issues on his hands. Me? <laughs> what, my little mortgage? Sounds noble. And I told her that what she's doing is the most arrogant thing in the world. Why, Rabbi? Because let me tell you what that means, okay? Rabbi Rubenstein is my friend, and I need his favors. And then one day I decide, you know what? Well, I'm going to bother she. You know what? Let me take care of this by myself. Whoa, let me say those words again. What am I going to buy other my friend Shia today? Let me take care of that by myself. You understand what she was doing? Well, I'm going to bother God with me. Me. God doesn't need to bother. Why? I'll take care of myself. You understand how arrogant that is? The whole point of prayer is for you to realize there is no me taking care of it by myself. Without God's help, my work is going to go south. And without God's help, my health is going to go south. There is no telling God, Hashem, you have bigger issues. I don't need, you know, I, I wish you could help me, but who am I to bother you to help me? I'll do it by myself. Prayer, as you started in last week's Torah portion, when you bring Bikurim, is to tell Hashem, there is no myself. I work, I work, I work, which means nothing until you bless it. So how do you understand the Zohar? How do you understand the Zohar? If I'm not going to come high holidays and ask God for my health, for my peace in my home, for the economy to get better, for my children to walk in the right Yiddish Aderach, to be successful in their studies. What am I telling God? God, you have more important people. I'll, I'll educate my kid. I'll take care of them. Don't worry. 
I'll make sure that they're going to be healthy and be a man. I take care. I have health insurance. I'm going to buy them healthy organic foods. Don't worry, Hashem. I'll take care of my kids. I have to ask Hashem. Because I believe that Hashem is the only one. So what's the Zohar screaming at me? You're a dog. What's the Zohar saying? Like a caliph who's screaming, barking, have, have. You guys are with me? You in the back. You with me? You over here. Thank you. God bless you. So the question here is like this. And what, you know what? Before the question, I prepared one more little thing to bring home this point and almost forgot it. Which is, by the way, why you should write notes and not lie in your memory. And I apologize for that. There is an amazing book called Chavot Halavavot, Duties of the Heart. In the Duties of the Heart, there is a piece over there which is called Share Bitachon. Now, I never learned that book until very recent because I was sitting by Fabrengen and I heard from someone who told me that he was in a Far East country and he came back and he was sure he got sick and the doctor convinced him 20 times he's not sick but he still thought he was sick. He was writing the Rebbe's letters in and out, in and out until the Rebbe finally answered him. <laughs> the Rebbe kept on telling him. The doctor said, you're okay, give it up. <laughs> but he's like, you know, what do doctors know? Until the Rebbe told him like this, the Rebbe told him you to learn Shara Bitachon, the gateway of faith, in Chovet Halavavot three times, and you're to write to me after every single time you finish. So, me, with my wonderful anxiety attacks, I decided, you know what, let's learn. Let's learn Chovet Halavavos. He sets up over there what it means to trust in God. So, let me say this to you clearly. If you do not believe that God is the only one in control of your life, then you should not trust in God. Let me tell you why. Ariel is a good friend. Ariel will not hurt me. But if Ariel gave me in writing, I promise you, Avrumi, you're going to be healthy this year. I will tell him, Ariel, love you dearly, and I'll take the paper, rip it up, and put it in the garbage. There are so many forces that's not in Ariel's capacity to control that he should be able to promise me I'm going to be healthy. So I trust Ariel. I trust him as a friend. For the things that he can do, by the way, he's a real estate agent, for those of you who want to know, for the things that he could do, I trust him. I trust him. I trust our relationship. I trust our friendship. He will never do me bad. But for the things that he can do, how can I trust him? Let's go back to God. If I believe that God decided that I'm going to be healthy, is it God's fault that this guy was such a yachts that he was drinking and driving, sideswiped me and put me in the hospital for two weeks? Well, let me tell you something. If it isn't God's fault, then I don't trust God. Because him telling me that he's going to protect me is as worthy to me as Ariel telling it to me. So if you don't trust that God's in total control of everything, then don't trust God. He's a good meaning God. He's a very nice God. He's just not in control of everything. How can you trust that God? So by definition, if I trust God, 
then I trust that every single thing in my life is only under by the grace of God. So obviously, God's in control of everything. Obviously, I am extremely arrogant if I think that I don't have to bother God. God, take care of Rabbi Lipsky. He's got a big budget. I got a little budget. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. That's not being humble. That's being arrogant. Because to God, his multi-million dollar budget and my little budget is both the same. Not he can do it without God and not I can do it without God. So I need to pray to God. So what is the Zohar saying? What is the Zohar saying? Let me add on one more detail and let's get to the answer. What is the mitzvah of prayer? You know what the mitzvah of prayer is? The big argument between the codifiers, if, you have, if biblically you have to pray every day or just when you need it. It's a big argument. Biblically speaking, some opinions say you have to pray once every day. And another opinion says no. But when you need something, you have to pray to God. What is the mitzvah of prayer? The mitzvah of prayer is to ask God for my needs. If you are going to sit tomorrow and daven, God, you're so great. God, thank you for everything. God, you're just amazing. And then you say goodbye. You should know you didn't pray. Because prayer is bakasha. It's requests. That's the mitzvah. The biblical mitzvah of prayer. So if that's the biblical mitzvah of prayer... Then what does the Zohar want from me? If there's ever a day that I want to pray biblically correct, it's on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So if on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur I want to daven, I made the rice, the only way I can daven is not telling God what kind of great God He is, but telling God that I happen to have a problem and I need your help, God, I need it now. The Zohar tells me, what a dog, what a dog. Did you hear what he prayed for? What does the Zohar want? The answer. Let me share with you in the teachings of Chassidus. The difficult thing is the question. Because true answers have to be simple answers. If it's a complicated answer, it's not a true answer. If it's an answer that depends on... It's got to be very simple. So what is the simple answer... In the teachings of Kabbalah, prayer is Jacob's ladder. And what is Jacob's ladder? Go back to the verse. It's on the foot of the ground, Mutzav Arza Umagia Shomaima. It's got to be on the ground and it's got to go to heaven. The process and the journey of prayer is. That I wake up in the morning as a physical being with physical needs and that's all that's real. Spirituality is abstract. My need to do mitzvot is abstract. My need to have a coffee when I wake up is not abstract. You do not want to meet me in the morning before I had my coffee. That is the state of mind that you begin prayer with. And in that state of mind, it's very simple. As a believing Jew, thanks to my parents, as a believing Jew, I believe that my coffee is made by God. Through the percolator. So I need to ask God for my coffee. 
And that's what God is to me. I woke up. It didn't take 30 seconds for me to realize that I got to get myself to the bank quickly. Hashem, please, I need your help. Feeling a little achy. Hashem, please, I need your help. Teacher called me again. You need to come and speak to us. Chazak's acting up. Hashem, I need your help. That's the beginning of prayer. Mutzav Arza. It's about earthly, terrestrial things. Because I am a terrestrial being, and I have terrestrial needs. And while I would love to see myself as Kabbalist 101, who really only has spiritual needs, not happening. You find yourself a nice Kabbalist who hasn't eaten in two days, and you're going to find a very cranky Kabbalist. So the bottom line is, we're terrestrial beings with terrestrial needs. And that is the onset of prayer. I need to tell Hashem, you dear God created me as a physical human being who needs to sleep, who needs to eat, who needs to lower his stress level very quickly. And thus I'm asking you Hashem to give me the koyach, the blessings, to fulfill the needs that you have pre-programmed in your infinite wisdom into my terrestrial existence. That is how prayer starts. That is what the Zohar calls a dog. Because the job of prayer is to let you know that you're not just a terrestrial being with terrestrial needs. Those of you who know me a little bit have probably heard from me about 102 times, so here goes number 103. There is a great series created by the BBC called Planet Earth. It has five CDs. Do yourself a favor, get it, and watch it. The Rambam writes, if you don't understand science and nature, you cannot love God. Celestial teachings are great, but no matter how much you're going to learn about the two angels fighting in heaven, when you realize nature, you really say, oh my God. And when you're going to watch this, you're going to learn what my Tanya class just heard from me. The animal kingdom, its entire complicated life, boils down to three things. What are those three things? Eat, don't be eaten, make babies. That's all it is. That is life as the egocentric creation knows it. And why are we egocentric? Not because we're bad. There are no such things as malicious animals before humans put their ugly fingerprints on them. It's simple. Dear gazelle, says the lion, I don't want to hurt you. I just need to eat you. No malicious content. The gazelles know that. They sense after the kill, it's over. And that's why you have so many beautiful pictures of lions and gazelles walking side by side. The minute they sense the lion's hungry, <laughs> bye guys, see you later. That's the beginning of prayer. We're like animals. Our prayer to God boils down to very simple. God, I need to eat. God, I don't want to be eaten. And God, I need to survive. And because I'm only going to live till 120, I need some babies to continue. The great Lipschitz dynasty. 
thus you understand that when we talk to God like that, the Zohar tells you, you're a dog. And the Zohar is right. The animal prays to God. Very simple. God, I need to eat. God, don't let me get eaten today. And God, in mating season, make sure that I also got a female somewhere. So the Zohar is right. I want to quote you a line from a Maimah from the Rebbe that every Lubavitcher knows. Parsha Shmini, Tovshin Tesvav, Lefikach Nikra Soifrim. And the Rebbe says over there, Timtum Halev. When your heart gets closed and stuffed and only sees its own nose. The Rebbe writes, With water you nicer than an animal. Only that the cow, the animal eats grass. And you're eating other food. If all you're asking God is, God, please, you created me with needs. There's going to be someone who's going to try to swallow me. Hopefully not maliciously, just because they need to eat. I need to eat. And then because I got a beginning and an end, but the species must go on. I need to have kids. Then, really, the Zohar's got it point blank. The Zohar's letting you know. So your life is nothing more than a terrestrial creature. You're just a dog. All you see is me. And me cannot exist with God. So me is going to tell God, please, don't forget about me. But the process of prayer is not just the first rung. There's four rungs to that ladder. And the journey of prayer is to get up higher. To understand that you're not just an animal. A human is not an intelligent monkey any more than a mouse is not a moving rock. We're different. And what makes us different is the power of intelligence. The animal kingdom's intelligence exists only to the point of survival. You will not find an animal reading poetry or listening to Mozart. That just doesn't exist by them. Spiritual causes, ideology. You've never seen an animal start a save the tree campaign. Because symptom has assured that the center of every creature is I. And if that's all you can see when you pray to God, then the Zohar gives you a very, very appropriate name. You're just another animal. You're not a human being. But if you can pray, and the process of prayer is to after you finish understanding that as a terrestrial being, I need God. Let me talk to you, God, as a terrestrial being. Please. I need my kids to be healthy. I need the things I need physically. And then you climb to the next rung. And in the next rung, the Zohar expects for you to slowly and surely start creating a transparency through your terrestrial externalism and start being able to see the spiritual internalism of the human being which was created in the image of God. That's what the Zohar is expecting from you in your prayers. And then when you finish that level, it expects you to go to the next rung. 
And then at the pinnacle, at the climax of prayer, it expects you to really stand there with your feet together, your head slightly bowed, praying in silence. Total nullification, like a servant before his master. At that point, at the climax of prayer, let me tell you what you should be praying. God, you sent my soul down in this world to serve a community. To serve a community, I need a shul. To have a shul, I need to pay rent. God, please give me what I need to serve you. Did you realize the major switch? I woke up in the morning telling God, God, you better get me a coffee, get me a coffee. I really need a coffee now. To all of a sudden saying, God, I exist to serve you. And to serve you, I need to be healthy. To serve you, I need to be able to pay my bills. To serve you, I need to have a car to get to that Jew and talk to him. And thus, the Zohar becomes beautifully understood. If during the high holiday process of prayer, you have not left that first rung of telling God, these are my needs, and I totally accept with faith that no one controls or grants my needs other than you. Then the Zohar says, you belong in the animal kingdom. Not a bad person, just an animal. But hopefully, in the process of prayer, you got beyond the first rung. By the way, clear. Do not skip the first rung, because then you're going to be like that beautiful woman in Weston who just didn't understand in the beginning that there is no telling God, I don't need you, I'll take care of this by myself. Thank you very much. Thank you, but no thank you. And it really is the intention that counts. Thank you for caring for me, God. But I'll take care of this by myself. Don't skip the first rung. Wake up and feel the fear that your wife has because she sees you're worried about paying mortgage. And pray to God that she shouldn't have to be worried no more. But don't get stuck in the first rung. Go to the second rung. See that the terrestrial is nothing more than a reflection of the celestial. And the reason why by animals and all creatures are egocentric is because angels are consumed in their own passion and consciousness of God. And then get to the next rung. Say the Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem Echad. And then get to the next rung, where you sit like a servant, stand with your feet together in silence, saying the Amidah. Nothing more than a servant before his master, asking God, please, please grant me the tools I need to fulfill the job you have given me. Now that person, the Zohar is not going to call a dog. Because that person has prayed from rung to rung to rung. Guys, I want to finish up. We'll have a question and answer. I want to finish up with an amazing teaching of the Holy Bartichiva. One year, just like this year, Rosh Hashanah was Shabbos. And the Holy Bartichiva looked up to God and said, God, 
In your Tehillim, you said, Magid Varov Liyakov, Hukov Mishpatav Israel, that you fulfill the very mitzvahs that you commanded us to do. And thus, dear God, today is Shabbos, and it is forbidden to write. The only time you're allowed to write on Shabbos is to save a life. So, dear God, the only thing you could write this year is that every single Jew should be in the Book of Life. Thank you, people. Uh, do you have questions answers? Please understand and appreciate that you list to God what you need, not because He doesn't know, but that you can be in the relationship. Contrary to American niceties, who says that if you do someone a favor, you shouldn't tell them, because if you really mean it, it's about them. Halacha says that when you do someone a favor, you must tell them so that they can say thank you. You have no right to deny the person thank you. I want you to know that any person, a spouse, a love, a love relationship in which you only allow yourself to be the giver and not the receiver, you are not allowing the other person to love you, you're only allowing yourself to love the other person. And that's very selfish. The reason why from people you love, you allow yourself to receive is so that they can love you. The reason why you need to sit down and clearly itemize and clearly understand what you need is so that when God gives it to you, you understand what God gave you and you can say thank you. That's, that wouldn't work. I tried that with my wife. Once a year I told her thank you for everything. <laughs> No, it's not all the day long. It's what Hashem wants you to do. Stop in the morning, acknowledge, ask, and as you receive it, say thank you. Guys, I love you. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Rabbi Lipschitz. I just want to let you know that...